Hey, welcome back to The Process. I'm Nick Veronica. No Charlie today, but we got Joe Yearden with us from Noted Hockey. It's a new newsletter you should subscribe to. Joe is here to talk to us about the Jack Eichel trade. We're breaking down the new players the Sabres got, kind of revisiting some of the history of Jack when he asked for a trade. Some, some uh, new revelations came out this week. And we're asking the, the question here, was Jack worth it? Did he live up to the hype? I'm telling you the tank was worth it. Joe's going to tell us some of the details on his end. Was Eichel worth it? Uh, thanks for listening. Shout out to our sponsor, Ethos Performance Rehab, Buffalo's premier one-on-one physical therapy and training site. Find them on Instagram, at Ethos Performance Rehab. Joe, thanks for coming on. Welcome back, Joe Yearden. Thank you for joining us again. Joe, you are uh, now writing at uh, Noted Hockey, the newsletter that I, I like reading every day. I'm actually going to ask you about something that you wrote there recently. But you are here because our long national nightmare is over. The Jack Eichel saga <laughs> has ended. The Buffalo Sabres trade Jack Eichel and a 2023 third-round pick to the Vegas Golden Knights for Peyton Krebs, Alex Tuck, a 2022 first-rounder, and a 2023 second rounder. Joe, you last time you were on this podcast, you said there is a direct quote, 0.0% chance Eichel plays again for the Sabres. And I'm here to let you let you bask in the glow of that prediction a little bit. <laughs> I think I went out on too big of a limb in saying that. I know, I know you and Charlie were a little bit like, really? I don't know, man. It could happen, but. I was uh, I was pretty I mean, secure right. in in feeling that because sometimes you ju- you can just tell from the outside of things and like we're ever all the media was kept on the way outside of this. Now let's let's be real. Like it's not like Kevin Adams was talking to us every day and saying like, well, here's the update today, guys. Like there wasn't any of that. And um, once everybody stopped using the press to communicate their desires uh, at some point, um, you just knew it was not good and. Yeah, turns out that was pretty much the case. All right. I mean, uh, Jack Eichel's uh, previous agent, I think, was a little more willing to talk with the media. I feel like after he switched agents, that kind of dried up. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Bringing on Pat Brisson and uh, JP Barry changes up the scope of things. Now, it's no no offense to Peter Fish and and uh, and his associates, but... Um, it's a big step up when you when you're when you're bringing in a, a heavy hitter like Brisson because Brisson is he's got some of the biggest names under his belt and JP Barry has the same thing you know there that's that outlet there I think that's I think that's Octagon it's Octagon agency where those guys just every single one of them is a, is a is swinging the hammer and mm-hmm. you know they they knew how to clean things up at least in the media scope of it. Uh, because it, it was getting petty, it was getting very petty, yeah. which was kind of entertaining, honestly. Because um, <laughs> when people are being petty publicly like that, that's 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 great drama. That's I, who, who doesn't like that stuff? But um, but seeing the way it calmed down once Brisson was was on board, it was it made a lot more sense. And suddenly there was a lot more discussion coming from insiders and and whatnot about. You know what you know how things are progressing what you know what's happening what's going on i think that that was a big part of it like you're you're still working through the media but you're doing it through more traditional channels as opposed to 
having your agent send a letter out at 10 o'clock at night on a Friday, on a Friday mm-hmm. to, to, uh, to kind of sound off about something Kevin Adams had said. So I uh, changing agency certainly helped out, but I, I can't help but think of uh, a few days ago when, when uh, John Vogel tweeted, you know, the, the Sabres are, have some outside pressure. Uh, yeah. That was, what did that mean? That was weird. It, it, I think, I think John knew that, I, you know, I don't want to speak for John, but I think John had an idea that Jack was going to have an interview with somebody, whether, whether, I don't know if he, you know, was surprised at that, but it, that interview with Eichel and Elliot Friedman was happening no matter what. And hmm. if the trade hadn't gone down and Jack said it in one of his, one of his replies, and Elliot had asked him a question. He goes, he goes, you know, if, if this trade hadn't happened, I would have answered this. I would have answered this question very differently. And there would have hmm. been, and he like the way he just kind of, peeled back a little bit and just, you know, it was just like, you know, he's happy he's traded. So he's excited, but he was, he was like, man, I would have set this place on fire with okay. what I was going to say. And now I wish I, now I wish it had waited a couple more days. So we could have heard <laughs> just the full, yeah. you know, just like emptying out all the, all the cannons. Okay. On them. I might, let, let me actually backtrack there. I might've misunderstood uh, how that happened just when I read it on Twitter. So Jack Eichel did, did the interview. Mm-hmm. And you're saying that that interview was scheduled before the trade, you think? And for you know, if if Jack hadn't been traded, he would have just gone out there with Friedman and just unloaded. Yeah, that's my that's my feeling. I I don't know that for for fact, but that's okay. Uh, that's my feeling because the entire interview is going to air Saturday night. Oh, okay. So you know, we got the juicy bits of it. You know, after the trade came out, it just happened to be the perfect timing. <laughs> and I. And I don't think that's an accident, honestly. I think that that was a big part of the reason why they had to get that done as late at night as they did, because they, you know, they they figured it out at eleven thirty the night before. It didn't get announced till the following morning, but um, but they got it done, and they got it done. The the you know what maybe maybe what eleven hours before Elliot was going to sit down with Jack. At, at you Jack's think that, that would be a big enough impetus for the Sabers to to pull the trigger? Is that yes. interview was coming? Yes, because they would have gotten absolutely roasted, and you know, depend I, whether it was you know how much is you know just totally Jack just you know unleashing or Jack just trying to help paint a picture it doesn't matter. Like we're never gonna know. Like we need a Donnie Darko sort of like or a butterfly effect kind of like <laughs> rewind here to, to be able to see like how this would have gone had it not had it not well, gone the well, way it's Joe, let, let me ask you, how much how much worse could it have gotten? Like what could he have possibly said that would paint the sabers worse? <laughs> I think it could have been much uglier. I think that's I think that's I think that's the step where it scared the Sabres enough to know that getting it done sooner, much sooner than later was going to be to their benefit. And it was mm. to Jack's benefit, obviously. But um, if there's something the Pagulas really hate, it's being made to look bad and they don't like being embarrassed. <laughs> and yeah, I know it's crazy to say funny. because they've, you know, they, there's a lot they've done that's made them look bad, but um they don't like to be embarrassed and the, we can tell based on how Jack was, was talking about things. The relationship was, 
beyond strained. And I honestly believe Adams was the only only guy that was keeping it as cool as it was. Now, you know, Adams is the company guy, so he's, you know, he's got, you know, what team he's on, but um, I, I think he was, I think he was the one guy who was able to kind of keep everything as close to not boiling over as possible. All right, so then I guess this is going to change my next question for you. Uh, <laughs> somebody had asked me the other day, said, so so how did how did the Sabres do in this trade? And I said, well, I mean, you know, I'd give it maybe maybe like a B, but like an A minus given the situation. And then after that, you know, I, you know, they walked away and I was kind of thinking, I'm like, do we really like you, you really don't have to hand it to them, like given the situation <laughs> like, like that, that was maybe too kind. But are you telling me that maybe they actually did pretty good if the situation was about to get much worse? I, I think I think I, I think you can disassociate one from the other, because I in, in my mind, I believe that offer was already on the table uh, before okay, they felt the stress. Um, and, you know, I mean, listen, they got, they get Peyton Krebs, you get Alex Tuck, they get a first round pick, they get a second round pick. They wanted four first round pieces. Well, Tuck was a first round pick. Krebs was a first round pick. They're getting a first round pick and a second round pick. Yeah. It's like, Hey, whatever. Like, I mean, that's a haul. Like that's a good haul. And I know people's observations are going to be skewed on this because of the Matt, Matt Kachuk thing that came out the day before that uh, Kevin Weeks had, had said he had, he had heard and that changed a lot of people's opinions because like, wow Matt Matthew Kachuk whoa get that guy you know drop everything get him mm-hmm. which I get that he he's a really damn good player good. Um, whereas it's a little bit more of an unknown with Krebs although if you can rewind back to that 2019 draft, Krebs was one of the best centers in that draft. It was him and cousins and Kirby doc. Like those guys were part of like that, that crew. Now the only reason Krebs fell down in the draft was because he was injured and which always makes me kind of laugh a little bit with guys that are injured going into their 18 year old draft. And they sometimes aren't playing in the NHL for another, you know, one, two, three years. And it's like, well, you got to really punish a guy for, for having an injury that you couldn't really mm-hmm. scout him, even though, you know, he's really good. I don't know. It's a little weird, but I mean, Hey, works out to the, to the Sabres benefit because Krebs fell to Vegas and now he's a Sabre. And now they've got two of the top guys from that 2019 draft who Essentially, you know, Krebs should have been a lottery pick uh, in my mind, but uh, you you walk away with two guys from that class who are now right on the edge of being, you know, full-time, always NHL players. I know Cousins basically is, but Krebs, Krebs has gotten a little bit slower run, but it's nice to have. Like, that's – and that's the thing. Like, Krebs was on the table for him. They had – that was the guy that had that they had to get. Like I know there were other options. There was Nick Haig. There was uh, Lucas Alvenis. Um, you know those those are nice pickups. Where I think if maybe you were just going straight up all prospects, no matter what, maybe you're holding holding the line to get you know uh, one of them and Alex Tuck and a first round pick. Like that's being greedy. But um, given especially given Jack's circumstances, but um, but coming away with what they did, they did really well. I I, I think they did really well. Now. I, I can't say they won the trade. <laughs> I, can't, I can't say that. You won't be able to say that for at least three, four, or five years, you know, considering this package that the Sabres got. But uh, when you go into it knowing that you're trading Jack Eichel, you know that you're probably going to lose the deal. 
Um, but they did as well as they could to come away with uh, enough pieces and enough really good pieces to say that, hey, we did all right here. You know, this wasn't like a Joe Thornton trade where, you know, the Bruins got 40 cents on the dollar for a guy who won MVP the same season. Like this is this is a little bit different. This, you know, if we're going to say cents on the dollar here, I'd say they probably got about 85 to 90 cents on the dollar. OK, what, what should people know? About Alex Tuck? Well, I everybody should know by now already that he grew up outside of Syracuse in Baldwinsville, and he was a Sabres fan growing up. And Kevin Adams' whole big thing is we want guys that want to be here that love Buffalo. Well, congratulations, you got a guy that loves Buffalo. They, uh, he, it's almost first... it's almost weird how much he keeps saying that. We want people, yeah, who... yeah. It's it's uncomfortable to me because it comes off as a marketing line, and I don't need I don't need my GMs, you know giving you know giving marketing lines really um and you know it's it's like that or and you know always thanking the, the pagulas and different press conferences like all right dude like we get it <laughs> we get it you're thankful they hire you i understand like just mentioning their name drops your approval rating by like 10 points at <laughs> least so like just just you know, just stop it like don't do that anymore but um to me that's a tired line because people will love to play anywhere if you win I mean, you, the Sabres become a multiple Stanley Cup, they become a Stanley Cup dynasty team. Suddenly, Buffalo is looking like an awesome place to play hockey, and everybody's going to be living here in the summer and being like, hey, this place is actually awesome. I like it here. Never mind the winter. It's, you know, whatever. Like, But you're living inside a rink all the time, winter. So who right. cares? But it's, um, but yeah, I mean, Tuck's, Tuck's a good player, man. He's, he's, uh, he fits in with what Granado's style seems to be, uh, where it's heavy, you know, it's heavy forechecking all over the ice, getting up on getting up on opponents all over the place. He's that kind of player. He's a physical dude. Uh, he gets to the net. He does he does a lot of those those uh, little things that not a lot of guys in this roster really do. Um, and you know, he's he scored 20 before. Um, hopefully his shoulder, you know, is fine, you know, once he gets that you know, rehabbed and recovered and whatnot um, because shoulders are shoulders are tough injuries for hockey players, man. That's it's, it's so bad to have, if it, if it goes really bad, it just sucks the life out of you. I mean, I, I keep thinking of, of a guy like Nathan Horton who was with the the blue jackets and the Bruins and that year when the Bruins ran to the cup, won the cup in 2011, he, he dislocated, I think he dislocated his shoulder no, no, sorry. That was 2013. He like dislocated his shoulder before the end of the regular season. And he played, he told me he played through the entire playoffs um, with basically his shoulder taped up tight to his body. And he could only stick handle from like his elbow down because he couldn't <laughs> like, he couldn't move like his oh upper gosh. arm to do anything. And I'm just like, Jesus, dude, like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, okay. All right, man. Like that's nuts. But good on you i guess like that's crazy but um but yeah like i don't i'm not bringing any gloom on alex tuck's door though he's he's a dynamite player i he was a guy that made sense as far as you know somebody to pick up that had a contract on him to on vegas you know he's got he's got a few years to go on that deal it's four and a quarter million i think cap hit per year that's nice. Like it's nice to have a guy on a deal like that already taken care of and squared away. Now you can put him in your top six and go wild once he's ready to go because he's he's going to be that kind of player. And you know what? He's probably going to bring about fifty more season ticket holders too, because <laughs> everybody from Syracuse and Baldwinsville are going to be wanting to come out here yeah. for for his games. 
All right, Joe, I want to ask you about something that I read in your newsletter. But before we get there, just tell people what you're doing with Noted Hockey. Yeah, so it's a new Substack, which, hey, every writer who's who's looking to stay, keep the wheels greased is doing Substack these days. And I'm no different. Uh, I'm taking I'm taking a look at the Sabres. I'm not doing beat stuff. Um, I don't think I don't think anybody needs me to add to the morning tweets with lines and you know, coach quotes and player quotes. I don't think we don't need more of that <laughs> on our Joe, timelines. We, we need more Jersey numbers of players that we don't really know the Jersey <laughs> number. Cause we don't care that much. <laughs> we'll just wait for people to get mad when Alex Tuck wears 89 and everybody's going to say, but McGillney, uh, like that's, you know, that's coming when he's, when he's mm-hmm. ready to go. But. I saw that briefly. I was like, did they just give out Corey Conacher's number? But I was wrong. <laughs> he was 88. He was 89. Because remember he asked Patrick Kane to, if it was okay to wear 88 in Buffalo. And we all kind of were like, wait, what? 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 Okay, Corey. Like, hey, whatever. Like, hey, that's cool, man. But, uh, but yeah, like Connor wanted to wear 89, but they were just kind of like, no, uh, 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 no, dude, I don't know. Don't, please don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. Please don't do that. We'd, we'd rather not have an uproar. Um, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, but, uh, but noted hockey is, is something that I was, I've been, I wanted to get back on the, a more consistent, basis with writing and you know doing observations in hockey and um doing some you know a little bit of fancy staff st- fancy stat analysis and like looking at certain ways guys are playing and uh and how things set up with the coach and whatnot and kind of trying to teach myself a little bit more uh about the game and you know i'm basically armchair coaching sometimes thinking like i don't know why why are they doing this and um things like that where it'll be you know, I should run past the coach once in a while and be like, Hey, they're doing this. What do you think? Hey, this is a great idea. Now I'm going to talk. Joe talks to a coach and figures out if he's right or wrong, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's things like that where, uh, things that interest me and, and whatnot. And, you know, every now and again, it'll be some occasional, you know, mind wanders and, you know, random thoughts and, and just kind of piecing things together. I've read a few other people's Substack to kind of get an idea of, of what they're doing. And, you know, if there's something that's, something similar I can do or a different way I can do go about things. And um, there's a lot of people doing some cool stuff. Mark Stein's one of them. Um, huge Sabres fan, huge, huge Bills fan. Uh, he's a Buffalo guy, but he's, a, he's like one of the top NBA writers out there. And uh, I was reading some of his stuff and these it's, it's really, it's, it's, it kind of reminds me of, of Peter King's weekly columns that he would do where it's, you get a ton of information but then there's like kind of regular everyday life stuff and observations. Like that's cool. Like we're all living life. We all got observations. We all see stuff. Like I just have to make sure to not turn it into a, uh, a old man yells at clouds kind of portion of, of, of the site. I gotta, I gotta try to keep it a little bit on point, you know, 90% yeah. of the time. Now noted hockey comes from noted jerk. Where yes. does the noted jerk come from? That comes from back in the day when I was at NBC and the uh, Arizona Coyotes uh, were teasing for about three straight years that they might have to leave Arizona and relocate elsewhere uh, because the, uh, the city of Glendale voted voted each year, it seemed, to decide whether they were going to make sure they were okay with spending money on the Coyotes staying there. Um, and if they ever voted no against that, they were gone. They were going to move off. Yeah, I think one year they were, if the vote went the wrong way, they were going to move to Seattle. Uh, the next year, if it went the wrong way, they were going back to Winnipeg. So there was, they came close a couple of times. Um, 
And one of those years I was, it, you know, whenever I was on shift working at NBC, uh, stories about the coyotes seemed to come up. So I always ended up writing about it, you know, because pro hockey talk was heavy, heavy on the aggregation side of things. And coyotes fans, you know, for all the jokes about how they don't exist, they do exist. They're on the internet. And they were able to find me every time that I wrote something where they thought I was trying to run the team out of town, which I never was, uh, and which led me to go go to Arizona for a week to to go to a couple of games and talk to the, you know talk to some of the players and talk to the coaches and get a feel for what it's like there. You know, it was the middle of March. The uh, the Coyotes were doing really well, um, and there was still nobody in the building. You know, I mean, granted, it was two midweek stinker games. One was against Columbus. The other was against St. Louis. And both teams are awful that year. Uh, so I get it. I get people not wanting to show up for that, but. Um, but it was still a thing where it was just like, man, these guys are gonna go and you know, seeing the seeing the setup in Glendale and you know the whole the whole thing was great. But people still insisted that I was trying to run the team out of town, and I was just like, okay. Jeez. And so somebody uh, somebody at one point decided to call me a jerk, and I was like, yeah, that's that's me, huge jerk over here. And somebody goes, oh yeah, yeah, noted jerk, Joey Erden over there, and I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. And so some other people started using it, and then. Um, some very artistic Coyotes fan decided uh, one day to make up a poster of all the people they thought were trying to run the team out of town. And they referred, they used the, the term, the noted jerks of media. And it was, it was Tony Gallagher in Vancouver as myself. And it was Greg Wyshynski and uh, Greg, Greg wow. very quickly deflected, Greg very quickly deflected that and said, no, 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 no. Joe's the noted jerk around here. And I was like, Thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh. You still have Tony Gallagher wasn't exactly what? very wise on doing a lot on Twitter. So he was, he was probably oblivious to it, but, but yeah, Greg and I both got a lot from the, same a lot of the same people basically telling us that we are stupid we don't know what's going on and i was like dude we're just reading the stories the same way you are like please <laughs> please so knowing we're what not trying to run now, your team out of town what's knowing that? what you know now do you feel like those mm -hmm. were like bot accounts run by the team someone with the team itself just knowing how prevalent you know fakes and bots are out there so maybe not 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 a bot a bot specifically but just a, a, a anonymous or a troll or somebody you know, a, a, mm -hmm. a fake account. So funny you ask that because for the most, I think all the accounts that were yelling at me were, were real people. Um, but a little bit later on, um, there was a very vocal person on the Glendale city council who her whole thing was just like being belligerent about making sure the coyotes stayed in town. Like it was, you know, like attack ads and things like all sorts of stuff. And I was just like, Jesus, ladies, this lady's out there. Okay. Like she's, she's going ham. That's all right. Good for her. But it was in such an aggressive way that it was annoying. <laughs> and, uh, she was up for election and she ended up losing, uh, she ended up losing the election, uh, and she was out. And there was a guy who was one of the people who was always in my mentions, always screaming at me to the point, And this was pre muting days. I had to block him Cause I was just like, this is a, this is obnoxious. And he started like a, it was like, I, I, I don't know if it was an election account for her or he, like he ran the election account for her or it was like some other account that was tied to this, to, tied to this person. And I was just getting yelled at again by this, you know, the same, same type of language, same sort of vitriol. And I was like, I know who this is. And then I was like, let me do some research. And like, I knew the, I knew the person's name and I checked out like woman's, you know, election site. And sure enough, there's his name there and like doing like election, like um, 
as like one of the uh, election uh, volunteers. And I was just like, really? Well, wow. that's fun. So wow. yeah, I was, I definitely was getting it. I love from the story. The inside. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's very, <laughs> it's very Coen brothers esque stupid. Yeah. Like it's, it feels like it belongs in something out of burn after reading or, you know, that sort of tone of a movie, but it was just, everything about it was just so stupid and silly and goofy and very, very small town style. Like one of the, like they always had a, 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 a for the city council meetings, whenever they did coyote stuff, they always had like a public, you know, public forum part to it where you come up, you get like two minutes to speak, you say, speak your mind, do whatever. So at, whenever it was the day to vote on whether or not they were going to keep, you know, supplying money for the team to stay in town, they, they would have the, 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 the public speaking period. And I remember, uh, I remember some people making fun of like, there, there was a local DJ who was up there and he had, he's got the coyote Jersey on, he's got like his radio name on the back and the, you know, the, the station call number, you know, like the, the station number on the back and everything. It was, people were just like laying into this guy. And I was like, I was just on that guy's show a couple of days ago and he was really cool. Leave, leave him alone. Like, <laughs> like I, I didn't get run. I, he didn't like yell at me. He didn't do anything crazy. He was just like, he's like, dude, what's going on? Like, let's do this. And uh, he ended up being a guy that kept bringing me back for shows when he, you know, he hopped around the country. Like he went to Philly, went to Chicago. I think he's still in Chicago now, but, um, but he was like, but it was like that kind of scene where you just had people rolling in there with jerseys on and like, you know, face paint, mm -hmm. whatever, and speaking at city hall about, trying to get you know trying to get a deal done and then the whole thing you're just like oh my god yeah well hey those how are coming it, to buffalo like for, for bill's stadium talks those are coming oh man well, <laughs> i love that they're gonna do that they're gonna have like a like the common council of buffalo is gonna have some kind of like hearing of like a public yeah well that you know, that one thing. is weird like, because the common council has absolutely no voice in negotiations whatsoever so you're kind of just going out there to complain and feel like you did something uh, right. the ones that like the county legislature at least has to like approve the you know the county funds that are going there no one's gonna vote against the bill stadium but they they at least right. have some form of saying this process anyway if you want to go uh i would point you to wivb.com because there's a story about when those dates are we're talking about the sabers here and I want so in your newsletter today, you wrote about let's rewind Kevin Adams' timeline, and you are referencing Jack Eichel basically saying he asked for a trade after the 2020 season. Mm -hmm. So I would like if you could just expand on that and, and really kind of almost recap what you wrote there or elaborate on on what it was like really for Kevin Adams. And when, when we say 2020 season, like it's 2021 right now but that really means the 2019 20 mm -hmm. season so like yes. two seasons ago basically so that means if 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 what he says was true he played well he didn't end up playing last season but he was on the team last season after having already asked for a trade kevin adams mm -hmm. basically his entire tenure if i'm not mistaken mm -hmm. was ba thinking the best player out here doesn't even want to be here and wants a trade and then they still brought in taylor hall still mm -hmm. yeah okay i'm not gonna steal your thunder anymore but <laughs> you know that, that that that's what i would uh just want you to, to expand on a little bit it just, just it's such a weird thing to me that it was that long ago yeah it's this that was part of the story that i was really most hopeful to hear some sort of explanation of, of how the timeline worked with you know when you know when did jack decide like i i don't i don't need this anymore or you know if Ke or if it, if it was kevin saying like dude, we're moving on. Like we're moving on. If you want to stay cool. But if, you know, if you don't, 
that, that's fine. We're, we're good. We're going to, we're going to find a way to move you. Um, but after that 1920 season, now that was the bubble year, the bubble playoff year. Yeah. Uh, and the Sabres missed out on the playoffs by two points. Um, and the, it was the most, that's another butterfly effect moment. For yeah. Me. By the way, that team absolutely did not deserve to sniff no. the playoffs. Nope. But then Montreal got the spot above them. And then Montreal won a couple of rounds, of course, because <laughs> Carey Price is, is insane. But um, which makes it even goofier because the 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 game that they were supposed to play right before they stopped the season was going to be Sabres yes. in Montreal. And if Buffalo had managed to win that game, now mind you, they were they were in a bad way towards the like towards the end of that before they shut down. They were not playing very well. No, but, but it's if they hockey. managed to beat Montreal, they would have been going to the bubble. And at that point, you got to wonder, well, does you know now it now it adds another level to it because at that point I was like, well, does Jason Bottrell get fired? Does right. you know, do they clean out everybody? Does you know do they do do they do things the same way if they make it to the bubble and then you know if they win the preliminary round and they make the actually are part of the playoffs like droughts over you know like does that become like a Tyrod moment where it's like yeah it counts but like eh, I don't know they kind of backed <laughs> in sort of thing like it's like it doesn't matter the, the clock gets reset but. Um, but the other part of that, that we found out in Jack's interview with Elliot Friedman was that after that season and after they fired Bottrell and Adams is brought in and they, you know, Jack says he meets with them and they say, um, you know, look, we're, we're looking to kind of restart things here. And, you know, we want to, we want to get, you know, we want you to be part of that. We want you to kind of, you know, help lead the way here because you're the guy. And, you know, we just want to make sure that, you know, that, you know, what we're going to be doing here. And Jack, Jack was very polite in the way he described it in the interview, but he said, he said, I didn't want any part of that. And he suggested, you know, he says he suggested that, you know, listen, if trading me gets you more of those pieces that you're looking to get for rebuild, then that's cool. Which to me, reading between the lines on that is like, dude, just get rid of me. Just, just move me elsewhere. You're going to do whatever you want anyways. Like. Mm-hmm. That's what you want to do. But like to, to me, that sounds like him asking to be moved and the Sabres not liking that at all. I'm sure they were very yeah, sore about it. And yeah, then who they, mentions you, know, you can, you know, you can get a lot for me. That's like, who says that? Yeah. Right. Like that's, you, you've kind of tapped out at that yeah. point when you're saying like, like you, just, you would, you would never be in a, in a relationship and be like, well, I mean, there's a lot of other hot, hot, hot people out there. You know, you should Let me go help you find some of them. Like, I'll, yeah. I'll bring them over. Like, they, yeah. we can have it. Come, come, come here. We'll take a good profile picture for you. <laughs> we set up your Tinder profile, please. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. But like, super weird. Super. Weird. Yeah, it's extremely weird. So, but like that. But then the Sabers came back, and then then they signed Taylor Hall out of nowhere. And to me, that seemed like on a one-year that, deal, like. Hey, that's like coming back to your, like, you've had an argument with your significant other and you're coming back with like an armful of gifts going, please, yes, please change yes. your mind, please. And yes. Because I still, I always think about the video of Terry Pagula on the day free agency opened. Sabres put out the video, said, if we get this guy, we're just, we're not trying to make the playoffs. We're trying to win the cup. Mm-hmm. And you say, holy cow. Are you, know, you sure? <laughs> t- t- like, yeah, team team ends up, you know, last place, 18 game losing streak when the, the owner thought they were winning the cup. Mm-hmm. But it's it's so weird, you know. You you think you you would go for it after your your star player asked to get traded? Like I I guess at that point, because you know, it, again, that was gonna be a weird season because it didn't start till what January because of COVID. Right. And it was gonna be a 
relatively shorter season. Like it wasn't going to be, wasn't going to be 82 games and ended up being what 56, I think it was 56 games. So you knew it was going to be, it was going to be weird. And you know, Hey, strange things can happen in a short season. Like if you catch a heater and then you fly to the top of the standings, suddenly you're in a spot to make the playoffs, whether you're good or not. Like, you know, the bloom could come off the rose at, at some point, but if you make the playoffs and you, and you, you get bounced out, well, who cares? You made the playoffs. And at that point you can sell Jack and like, Hey, look, we did what you wanted. How, you know, you, you want to stick around for this. And then, but then the conversation to me, then the conversation changes like, well, are you still going to reboot this? Or like, you know, what's, what's the plan? Like, what do you like, Mm -hmm. are you sticking with your plan here? Or are you just trying to like win me over? Because if it's just trying to win me over, you you can definitely trade me at that point. Mm -hmm. But like things happen the way they did, you know, they, they lose 18 in a row. Taylor Hall plays miserably his, you know, before he's traded to Boston, Jack gets hurt against the Islanders and he's done for the year. Um, and that, you know, that, that takes us to now, but whereas the thing that gets me though, is that the whole conversation, this whole time, this whole time when this, when this thing really blew up after, after, after the season ended, was that the the reason why he wants to get moved is over the difference of this of opinion on the surgery which yes that's a part of it but also jack wanted out a year ago you know like that's that's the part that like w- you know whether this is you know a, a, an exaggeration on jack's part or or whatnot but like that whole entire conversation is different and, and the entire way this thing gets analyzed if we knew back then that he was that he was looking to get traded, at that point Jack is gonna get bull rushed out of town. Like there's mm-hmm. people are gonna dogpile on him. He's gonna get booed every game. Well, <laughs> no fans at the game, so he's not gonna get booed every game. But you know, social media is gonna be on fire every time. It's just like just you know they start losing a bunch of games in a row. It's just like just trade him already. Like you know, mm-hmm. that's that's how that like that. I just try to think of how last season that that season plays out if it was already known that Jack wanted out and then they lose 18 in a row, like what kind of mayhem ensues from that? Like that's, you know, at that point, Jack gets killed over it. Adams gets killed over, it. you know, Kruger ended up getting fired anyways, but Kruger, we get Kruger, get double killed over it. Like all that stuff would have just been just a horrific mm-hmm. press nightmare. And the fact that the- nobody knew about this except mm-hmm. for Jack and Kevin Adams and probably the Pagulas, I assume. I assume they knew <laughs> um, the fact that nobody knew about this until Jack said it yesterday, the other day is amazing. And I think that's a lot of that, that both guys, Eichel and Adams deserve a lot of credit for keeping that under their hat because this whole thing is so much uglier. If people, if people have heard about that, imagine this doing for an entire year. Yeah, I mean, his trade on value top of this, all this nonsense plummets. Now. Yeah. So does, does knowing that sort of explain why the Sabres dug in so hard about the surgery? Yeah. And that's another point where it's, I think it's still kind of related to how badly the O'Reilly trade worked out, you know, the the horrible return they got there. I mean, Tage Thompson looks really nice now playing center, which who, who to thunk, (laughs) who to thunk that would have worked out. But, um, but, you know, obviously with Berglund, you know, leaving, you know, you know, two months into the season, just being like, screw this place. I'm out of here. Vlad Saboka becomes public enemy number one of the fans because they can't stand the way he plays. Uh, the first round pick they got from St. Louis, which was started off being a lottery pick, ended up being the last pick in the draft because 
because yeah, Ryan O'Reilly took him to the Stanley Cup and won it and won the Conn Smythe. Like it's the, it's the sum of all fears, really, for 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 how things go. And like the Sabres got killed for that. They got embarrassed for it. Like, that's the word. That's the key word. They were embarrassed about it. And so when it comes time to trade Jack, to me that that line is set immediately. Like that's not something that happens when you know all the discussion starts with the you know the neck issue and whatever. To me, that line was drawn right the second he says maybe we should maybe this should maybe you should move me maybe you should trade Mm -hmm. because at that point you're still you're what two years removed from the o'reilly trade you're one year removed from them winning the cup the the blues winning the cup and just the sabers looking like the biggest bunch of dunces you know out there for for letting them go and you're still thinking like to me if you're adams i'm thinking like well if somebody calls me and they're like, hey, what's going on with Jack? I heard some things. We'll mm-hmm. offer you four first round, you know, for first round quality things. What do you say? Does he get moved then? I bet he does. Probably. <laughs> bet he does. And people would be shocked by it. Um, it would be utterly shocking at that point, which, you know, that's it's a whole other thing. But um, but that's why you hold that line in that case, because you've known for a while and I'm sure there were plenty of offers beforehand. I mean, we've heard about the Rangers made a big push for him, like basically right after Adams was hired and yeah. people were just kind of like, what are they, what are the Rangers thinking? Like they should know Jack's well, not available. Maybe, blah, blah, maybe blah. they knew something. Maybe they didn't know something because Jack's got friends p- places, you know, maybe somebody sure. heard something and they're like, Hey man, maybe you should give him a call. Like just see yeah. what's going on. I mean, I think, I think his BU coach was still there at that point. So hmm. why not just, Take a call, and then if Adams goes, well, what are you thinking? That's when that's when that phone call changes. Like, hey, we're hey, uh, we'd like to get Jack Eichel. What do you think about that? It's like, mm, what are your thoughts? Instead of just getting hung up on, you know, right? Like that's instead of just kind of like, well, spitball me some ideas here. What are you, what are you kicking around? What are you, gotcha. what are you thinking? You know, like that's these are the kind of conversations I wish knew I could find out because nobody will ever tell me anything like that. No, they're not, <laughs> nobody will tell anybody anything like that except for you know maybe Elliot. Maybe Darren, you know, maybe maybe some of the insiders, but, um, but yeah, but like the, the whole conversation around this whole thing changes if that is if that is known back in June 2020 that he wanted to go, you know, because it, because for us the entire conversation was they have they disagree over the next surgery, it's you know irreconcilable differences. It's time to it's time for the divorce, and instead it was. Right. Sabres holding it all, because they're all, like, dude, we always, know you want to go. Right. It always seemed like it had to be more than that. Right. And right. Like, and it, like, I totally get like, And that's the other thing. It explains why the Sabres were like, no, dude, we're not letting you get that surgery because you're just, you want out of here. Like, maybe it's holding a grudge. It's probably definitely holding a sure. grudge. And maybe it's a little unprofessional. I don't know, but that's their opinion. I mean, it's a risky surgery. Like, they know they're going to trade them. Like, why you gotta why you gotta let him get a risky surgery and then have him you know say something goes wrong and things go really bad yeah. and suddenly he either he can't play or he's you know he's nowhere near what he was before and then you're just like cool we just let this guy get the surgery we didn't agree with he wants to get traded and now he can't play anymore now we can't trade him that would be the most buffalo ending to all of it but um but yeah like that's the thing like and I don't know if I conveyed that point well enough in my piece on noted hockey but that's the like that's the thing where i give adams a ton of credit now because he was he had so many balls in the air to juggle 
and balls and chainsaws and torches and you know you know hand grenades like the, he had all this stuff being thrown on his thrown in his lap when he got hired and he took a lot of heat for you know taking the job and then firing you know the entire scouting staff afterwards or most of the scouting staff and you know firing the Rochester coaches and all that and people were just like Jesus this, this guy's a total bag man for for the Pagulas blah 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 and it's like no, he got he got thrown he got offered a job which you don't say no to. You just don't. Like you like you've never had a job that like that before in the NHL and that's what your goal is, you say yes. And then it's like, okay, now that we got you in here, here's this pile of work. Let me just shove this right on your desk and then yep. here sort through this. By, oh, the, by way, the way, we we need to cut salary. Yeah, we got to cut salary. Uh we don't want to have 20 scouts on staff we'd like to have five is that okay uh and we're also firing our very popular ahl coach like and his entire staff like neat so i gotta help out rochester i gotta help out buffalo and then they have the meeting with jack and it's like cool now i gotta trade jack eichel too great this is an awesome job why did i why did i say yes so like adams navigated all that and basically didn't look like he broke a sweat kudos man like that's i i i can't talk crap on him ever because he he's handled that now the trade turns out to be bad in the future i mean he'll have to wear it but the way he handled this man that's that's a pro's pro man he he took care of business all right we are going to wrap it up here and i'm going to go all the way back and i will posit to you maybe a little bit because i saw some some posts that were pretty dumb um and from the same people who always want their opinion because it fit with something that offended them somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, I will pause to you. The tank worked. All right. The tank did what it was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And you, it worked in, you know, five, six, whatever. It worked that many years ago, like back, back. Hey, it, after the Sabres got, you know, the, the best odds in that area, the tank mm-hmm. worked. Anything yeah. after that, Blame it on something else, okay? But mm-hmm. from that moment, the tank had worked. Mm-hmm. They knew they were guaranteed McDavid or Eichel. They maximized their chance of McDavid, knowing they couldn't do worse than Eichel. Like, it worked out. Anything mm-hmm. after that, save it. Question to you from Charlie. Did Jack ever live up to the hype of being the consolation prize to McDavid? So knowing, knowing everything that we now know about Jack Eichel, and back back in um was it was it 2014? I can't believe how long ago this has been. He was drafted 2015. 2015. Okay, so yeah, because Reiner we was 2014. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So knowing that what what Jack Eichel became was it still worth trying to maximize your odds at McDavid, knowing that was the player you would get? Yes, because he was he was one of two sure things in that draft. Every like. People point at Marner and say, like, well, geez, at least got Marner. I was like, yeah, well, Arizona took Dylan Strom right after right after the Sabres took Eichel. Dylan Strom's now a healthy scratch in Chicago. He's on his second team, and he's probably going to get traded somewhere else, which, funny enough, Buffalo should be in on that. Yes. yes <laughs> they, they should absolutely be on on that. Um, but it, it, it was 100% the right play. Like, you have – the league has its rules. It has its stuff, and, like, yeah, it's not very noble to set yourself up to be at the bottom, but like when you know that there's an absolutely, without a doubt, generational player that's on the level of Sidney Crosby, and as we as it turns out, he might be better than Sidney Crosby. Like we'll see. Like 
you know, we'll see. But his production and what he does is is out of this world. But if you got a chance to get him, you got to figure out a way. And the only way to, to to know that you had the best chance was to finish dead last, because otherwise you're inviting other possibilities uh, where you get skunked, and that they could not be in that position to do that. And you know, mission accomplished. They did it. Uh, people didn't like it because they didn't think it was morally sound and people certainly made their made made enough noise about that but i don't know man the this league thrives teams that win in this league thrive on loopholes like lou lamarillo is the king of the loophole like if he can mm-hmm. find an opening to make his team better he's going to absolutely exploit yes. it the teams tampa bay have, lightning people got yeah, so pissed at the lightning reserve like all right. kinds of stuff Right. So people got so pissed about the lightning, you know, having Kucherov just, you know, hang out on, in, on injured reserve until the playoffs began. And it's just like, yeah, boy, I feel a lot better now. It's like, we had no kidding. There's no salary cap now. <laughs> Go crazy. <laughs> like, but people were just so annoyed about that. Like, Ooh, they went over the cap in the playoffs. Like, so what? Like, yep. you made the playoffs. Who cares anymore? Like, you can't, it's not like you can, you can sign a guy like at it or trade for a guy out of nowhere. And just go for the cup, you know, like that, go in the playoffs and be like, oh, we just traded for Alex Ovechkin the day before, you know, the day the playoffs started or, you know, like what? No, you can't do stuff like that. So whatever. If, if there are loopholes, exploit them and leave it up to the league to close it. And the league's certainly done that. Like they've, they've changed, they've changed around with the draft so much, you know, in the last few years that they're just, they're trying to discourage that kind of thing from happening again. But you still really can't. Like, yeah, the the bottom team doesn't move, can't move up that high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the top team can fall to what fourth? Which... Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, that that's what I'm saying. The the yeah. the last place or the the highest odd team can't really go that far. Yeah, but it's I mean, ask Detroit about that. They they were awful. They were absolutely awful two years ago. Yeah, and they ended up picking fourth because they got hopped by three teams. Like. Them's the breaks, man. Stuff happens. Like sometimes your number doesn't come up, and I mean, whatever. You know, Detroit, tough break. Like that's, but that's how it works. You know, and the the thing that gets me is, and I, you know, the tank worked, but like the execution afterwards is what failed. Sure, like that's that's the whole thing. And people like to point at Tim Murray and say, like, you know, he didn't give Jack a chance because he was so pissed. You know, when the, when the lottery happened, it was like. I was like, guys, I was there. I know why he's pissed. Like, he's pissed because Edmonton won it. You know how I know that? Everybody else was pissed Edmonton won that right. won that lottery. Like, the Coyotes' owner at the time told me there at the Melnick, event. this is? No, 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 no. This is, um, no, no, the Coyotes' owner, not the Sentinel. Oh, G- I'm sorry. G- Melnick would not care. Um, okay, that's what be- I was like. I'm sorry. What did you just say? He'd be out of whatever Caribbean island he hangs out at. Okay, so so which owner is my ties deep? This was, uh, I don't know if it was Andrew Barraway or one of the other guys there, because uh, they had a little group of owners. But one of them was there for that because they wanted to be there. Because like if they got if they won the lottery, then hell yeah, like that's awesome. You're getting the best player ever to come to Arizona. Um, but didn't work out that way, but he's, but he said that when they were drawing the numbers and they saw, and they came through to it and they saw that they were out and it was down to, you know, it was down to like the last two choices had to be made. He's like, he's like, well, I didn't want to see Edmonton win it. I didn't want to see, I didn't really want to see Toronto win it. He's like, but Buffalo, he's like, yeah, Buffalo, I'm rooting for them. And then he goes then to see Edmonton win it again. He's just like, man, like, no, that should have been Buffalo's. And it was just like, (laughs) 
this is an owner of another team telling me that like basically screw Edmonton, like, <laughs> like screw them for always getting to the top of, of the draft. And Edmonton got way too many phony pats on the back for it was like, well, they did it. They lost the right way. Like, shut up. No, like they, they still were in the lottery. Like they, like should, they should have picked what fourth or fifth. Yeah, with, with, with the high picks on the team. Right. Like they still had all those guys, you know, they, I mean, I think they had already traded Everly at that point, but you know, like Everly and Hall and Nugent Hopkins and like all these guys, you know, Neil Yakupov, I think was already had, was either gone to Russia or was about to go to Russia like that. Had, he failed out. So, but it was just like, how many, how many cracks at it did this stupid team get? And now it's, now it's at the point where now Buffalo is that stupid team. You know? <laughs> Buffalo's the, the, like, they've won it twice now in, in three years, like, okay. And like, now there's new rules. So like, if they, if, if Buffalo wins, the, gets the first pick again this year, then they can't, I don't think they can win it again for three years or yeah. something like that. Like they found a way to space it out just to basically make it. So that can't happen. Yeah, the anti-Edmonton but, rule. But it's 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 an Edmonton rule. It might be a Buffalo rule too, honestly. But um, but it's definitely done with Edmonton in mind because owners have been trying to get that GMs and owners were trying to get that put through for a long time because because everybody was sick of Edmonton stuff for for a long time. And then the McDavid thing just cheesed everybody off. Like everybody was just so pissed about that. But that's why Tim Murray was pissed. People thought it was he was pissed. He said, like, ah, "I'm just gonna get Jack Eichel." No, yeah. the whole thing, the whole time, he was like McDavid or Eichel. Great. I'm I'm good. Like that's, that's but he perfect. wanted McDavid. Oh yeah, well everybody wanted McDavid. Like that's McDavid wanted to go to Buffalo. Mcdavid wanted to go to Toronto. He didn't want to go to Edmonton. Like he's he was, very, very unfortunate. was up in Edmonton for him. Connor McDavid so, was coming for you, Buffalo too. He he would have done backflips if Buffalo had won that. Like the 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 sad face, like oh my god, I just I'm going to Edmonton face that we saw during the lottery. He would have been so excited going to buffalo because he's he grew up in he grew up in ontario he grew up in like you know what uh brantford something like that like southern ontario he's a southern ontario guy and mm. like you know he played at erie so right what hot you know what teams on tv all the time there sabers you know he's in southern ontario what games are on all the time the leafs and sabers okay <laughs> like you know and he's he he liked the idea of buffalo he really was 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 hoping for it and i think you know honestly you know, they, they played that one OHL game, the Erie Niagara game. They played at the arena uh, here in Buffalo. That was basically like, Hey, Connor, check this out. Really cool here. Hope we see you. Hope we see it a year, like that kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, like he, he, from what I've heard, he really, he was really, really likes Buffalo and he was really kind of pulling, he was really kind of pulling for that to be the case either here in Toronto, somewhere to be close to home, but he did not want to be in Edmonton. Like, now he's there and he took less money on his second contract to stay there and to like help them bring more guys in and they still mm-hmm. are the Oilers. And so so would you say Jeff lived to hype? Yeah. No, I, I I think he did. I think he did. I know the injuries the fluke injuries hurts the view. That that he didn't like immediately drag this team out of the depths um hurts that view because connor kind of did that with edmonton he kind of dragged them into the playoffs in what his second year um but edmonton was very hyper aggressive about you know getting people around him not to say that buffalo wasn't they just got the wrong people um but edmonton also still had a handful of those other first round pick guys who have grown into the nhl uh around him so 
and they, you know, Edmonton started to act like a real professional franchise at that point. So, you know, but like they made, they made it that far in the playoffs solely because of McDavid. That was it. And, you know, Jack wasn't able to do that. And, you know, it's bad luck. It's bad luck and maybe bad scouting on Murray's part. You know, you bring in Kane and Bogosian and Kane, not the right dude. Just it pains me to say that because I was always pulling for him. But man, oh, man, he's done nothing to to make me feel good about having, you know, backing him up and thinking like he's going to be a, a big star. He can be. He could have been, but it ain't happening now. But like guy with that kind of influence on a room where you got young dudes like Eichel, Reinhardt, Ristolainen, and all them, and he's hanging out being – he's Hollywood, man. Like that, that's Kane. He's Hollywood, and he's – He's his mind's not always on hockey, you know. It's it's on hockey when he's at the arena, but everywhere else it ain't. And it, it and it's only on hockey at the arena before and during the game. Afterwards, nope. See ya. Like, that's it. And that's that was an unfortunate guy to bring in. Leonard, I feel awful for him. He played really well here, but again, freak injury, uh, right off the hop. You know, he gets the high ankle sprain, and that stunk like that totally hurt the way things went for him. And he was coming off a concussion. So he didn't get to work out that entire summer. So he came in out of shape and then, you know, he rolls his ankle, like what the first game, I think it was first or second game. And then he's out for like the next three months because, and according to him, the uh, Sabres med staff totally screwed him up. I mean, that, again, that's, that's according to Leonard, um, which I don't know, maybe, he's, maybe he's got a point. I don't know. Like, Zach Bogosian certainly had 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 enough bad times here where you know he had to get his get his hips operated the same way each hip a year apart from each other. Uh, when the easiest thing would have been to be just like, well, this is probably gonna screw with the other hip if we get this one done. Let's just do them both. Uh instead, that didn't they didn't do that, and he ended up having the same injury on the other hip the following year. And he had to get the same surgery for the, you know, for the other hip. And he was, I know he was pissed about that. I because people kill him about the injuries all the time. And like the guy's a workout freak. And his body just breaks down for whatever reasons. And yeah, but like those guys, you get O'Reilly. He was absolutely the right guy. And a lot of the talk around him, just he took so much on it on himself. Um, he took so much on himself about the losses and he saw it after every game. He was just, he's like, Oh man, I gotta be better. Oh, geez. You know, I got, I got to do better, you know? And you, you can, I mean, reporters got tired of hearing it after every loss, but I'm sure he got really sick of saying it after every loss because every loss just burned him, burned him up. Like he hated it. Absolutely hated it. And then, you know, the, the phony stuff about people thinking that there was a rift between him and Eichel. And it turns out those guys were just kind of messing with everybody <laughs> about it because they, they caught wind of it coming from the internet and people were screaming, just like, Oh no, they, they hate each other. You gotta, you gotta figure this out. And no, they're just playing it. They're just playing with everybody, which, I like a good troll game and that's a really good troll game. Um, but like that, like, but like, you know, you got mad at O'Reilly for saying like he hates the losing and it makes him kind of sick of the game. Yeah. Wouldn't it? They just came off a season where they had won like what, 27 games or something. Okay. Yeah. I'd be pretty pissed too. Like that's, you know, but like, but they, they set the tone and saying like, well, if you hate losing so much, we're going to trade you. Okay. <laughs> All <Yeah>. right. <laughs> I guess if I'm not complacent with losing, then uh, then I get to get moved out of here. And 
you know, and with Ristolainen, I mean, geez, his his development just got stunted by being on this te- on the the bad teams, the tank teams, as a twenty year old and learning the absolute worst habits and playing on the absolute worst teams and playing twenty minutes a night for the like some of the worst teams that have ever played in this arena. So it was just everything was just doomed. Like it was just everything was doomed and it just all snowballed at once and it just blew up and blew up in Murray's yeah. face and then Bottrell had to come in and try to clean it up and he didn't really get a handle on things and yeah here we are all now right. <laughs> all right Joe, but jack was jack was worth it that was that's the, that was the yes. really long long road okay. about that because what two years ago it was the the bubble season he finished what eighth in, in the mvp voting yeah damn good year uh I, I think it was that year it was either that year or the year before where he he, he just piled up the goals and the points and he was awesome he was absolutely dominant on a bad team he's great like Get some guys around him. Like that was the, it was always the trick with with Jack was get some other guys. Like you know Reinhardt's good, that's cool. You got Skinner, that's great. You got one line. You got one line of those guys, and then yes. three lines that do nothing. Right. <laughs> and you got defense that uh, that actually hinders your game. Your goaltending is rough. Yes. Neat. Get him help. Like get get a lot of help. You need the help, and they never did. All right, Joe. I ask you for a a very short answer, just your quick thought. Don't think about <laughs> yes or no. Uh, with, with the additions the Sabres just pulled in in this trade, I assume they will be up on the big team at some point this year. Do the Sabres have enough to make the playoffs this year? No. No. No, they don't. I love the way they're playing. I love the I love a lot of what they're how they're playing. Uh, but this team is this lacks a lot of talent compared to most of these other teams. For them to be a playoff team, they have to outwork everybody every single night and to make up for the talent, which requires a ton of discipline, requires great defense. And I don't mean just kind of like, hey, we held them, we held them back a little bit. Like, cool. Like you have to be great defense. I'm talking like Islanders level. All three pairs are just a pain in the ass to get through. Like you cannot, you can't have one pair be a weak link. You can't have one guy be a weak link back there. You need everybody working together and you need goaltending, which Craig Anderson's playing nice now. That's cool. He's 40. Is he going to do it all year? I don't, I don't know. It'd be cool if he did. It'd be a great story, but mm-hmm. I don't think so. But like, no, this, this is not a playoff team. Now. It's a nice start. They've had nice starts the last, you know, last few years, but um, hopefully this does not crater like those years. Hopefully the, I think with this team, it's going to be, they're going to be much more competitive and there's going to be those there's those runs where it's going to be like, all right, there's a lot of hope here. You're starting but to see it come together. You're starting to see glimpses of it. It's not all going to be there. I mean, Krebs will come up at some point this year, I think. They might slow play him because, again, they might just realize, like, this team's going to suck again. Like, let's just let him play with Quinn and Paterka and Rochester and let them light everybody up and go win a Calder Cup maybe. Like, that'd be cool. Okay. That'd be fun as hell. Like, <laughs> that'd be really nice to see. And then you can call that whole lineup the next year and say, like, hey, guys, all right, let's see what you can do here. Be just like the Sabres when they came out of the lockout in, in 05, 06. Like, you had Vanek and Pominville and Roy come up, and suddenly it was like, oh, we're blowing the doors off of people. Neat. But, like, the, the goal is not playoffs right away. That's how you screw things up. And that's how they screw things up under Murray. They tried to they tried to cheat they tried they tried to cheat the rebuild and you can't do it. You cannot cheat it. All right, Joe, thank you so much for the time. Follow Joe on Twitter. He's at Joe Yurden. Subscribe to his newsletter, Noted Hockey. Joe, anything else to plug here? 
Uh, noted hockey. Uh, we've got that hockey show every Thursday. Uh, I do a podcast with Paulie Cuth- Cuthbert, uh, talking a lot of stuff, uh, Atlantic division. And then every Friday with Pat Moran, casual Friday on the talking Buffalo podcast. It's uh, a lot goofier, a lot sillier and, uh, a lot more, a lot more loose, a lot more loose talk. It's casual Friday. I mean, come on. It's, it's the way it's got to be. Throw on a nice hoodie Let's, and, and throw on a nice hoodie and talk and get ready for the weekend. All right, Joe, we appreciate it. Uh, thank you for your insight. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me.